Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyland. Lawson. What are you thankful for? I know what you're thankful for this morning. You already told me what you're thankful well, for this morning. I'm thankful that I didn't cut my whole foot off. Which, okay, so which could Lawson's potentially foot, Lawson's happen. foot is still attached. That's right. He nearly severed it. Yep, all the way pff, straight through. Potentially, maybe. Yeah. No. Well, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so this is such a dumb story. This is, okay, so so in my room at home, I've got a tool bag, and yes. I was, most people have a tool bag in their bedroom. That, that's right. And I, I, my tool bag was open because I was using it last night. I was, of course, you know, putting some stuff together. That's where you fix things. Is your bedroom? Well, well, you know, like, cause, cause I live upstairs and I have like this whole area to myself and it's got like my music set up, my bedroom, like everything. Motorbike. So like, well, not, <laughs> it's upstairs. But anyways, I wake, I wake up last night and I'm like, oh, I need to pee. And so I roll out of bed and the lights aren't on and I'm just like absentmindedly walking through my room and I put my foot into my exposed foot into my open tool bag and slice my foot on a saw that's inside my tool bag. Did you bleed on the floor? Yeah. On the carpet? Yeah. And so everybody's upset. You were like... There wasn't much the blood. It's like as soon as I cut it, I knew it was cut even though there was no lights on. So I like, kind of like lifted my foot up and like hopped Sorry. around and went, then went down to the to downstairs to the toilet and like cleaned it up. But but yeah, it was just the dumbest thing ever. It was like, why would I just, <laughs> no, like, like, just close the tool bag and put it away and you solve all your problems? I feel like this is like an, an object well, lesson for laziness. Of, the other way of solving the, that problem is to keep your tools in the workshop. Yeah, but I needed them upstairs. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> that's where all the magic happens. <laughs> Ah, we need to find this man a wife. That way he won't have tool bags in his bedroom anymore. Um, and the problem will be truly solved when they're banished to the workshop. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. As we kick off our breakfast show here this morning, let's have our pentathlon quiz. First quiz question is... For 100 points, who found honey inside the body of a dead lion? 0491-064-669 is the number to call for 100 points. You can uh, win yourself a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker, or you can get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, who found honey inside the body of a dead lion? And, oh, this story is like, this is a dumb story. And proceeded to eat it and then give it to their parents to eat. And then, so then they're technically all like unclean and Get diseases and gross stuff. It's like, oh man, I actually used this story recently as like an example in a, in a, in a group Bible study I was running of like how stupid smart people can be. Because why would you do that? Anyway, sorry, rant, rant over. 0491 is the number to call. If you know the answer, who found honey inside a body of a dead lion? I wonder how dead the lion was. Bro, it was de- because yeah, but I mean, like, I, mean, I okay, that was a silly question. How dead can you can dead be? But had it been dead for like a day, a week, or three years? So, so the story goes that he sees the. I, I'm going to try really hard not to give away the answer. Ah! So this person sees the lion. Yes, 
they they themselves kill the lion. They tear yes. the lion in half. Then they're looking for a wife, and so they go to find a wife in a town. So they they how, do, like, they how, do what's like the a time, what's the time? It's like a day's journey into some town. They go and have some conversations there, and on the way back, like we're talking. So the yeah okay, like rigor mortis is setting in. Like mm, gross. That, it's disgusting. This is this is just. But there's honey inside of it, and this person's like, "Yo, this looks awesome," and then they eat it. Oh, just anyways. I'm sorry. Great topic for the breakfast show. That's right. You are all enjoying your honey on toast this morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It could have come from somewhere like that. Well, uh, another news about health. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, I've got a really positively cool, different news. A positively yes, different go. news. This is a story that is kind of sweeping the health world at the moment because it is in, in a huge breakthrough in the area of paralyzation of spinal cord injury. In fact, the, our news mentioned it uh, yesterday, briefly touched on it, and I thought I just wanted to highlight this story because it's really, really cool. Um, it's basically about this guy. His name is Michael Riccati. Um, he is an Italian dude who, and like most Italian guys, is really into to motorcycles. Uh, but he had a big motorcycle crash in 2017 and severed his spinal cord. Ouch. Like, we're not, like, talking spinal cord bruising. We're not talking, like, like... Like straight through, um, which is irreparable damage, um, yes. and has led to basically having no motion in his legs, no movement, no feeling. It's a paraplegic. Paraplegic, hundred percent. Um, up until so he, there, there's been a Swiss um implant company, um, that is uh, led by a professor named is Jos- Jocelyn. Uh, I think in you would pronounce this in Swiss like kind of language block. Jocelyn Block. Um, she's a neurosurgeon and they've inserted an implant, like a, an electrode thingy on his spinal cord that has met, like that simulates the electrical pulses that are sent to the legs. Right. And he is able to stand, to walk, to move, to do everything. That, okay. Just, that is beyond phenomenal. Yes. Um, let me just put that out there straight away. My mm-hmm. question is, how well does he stand, walk, and move? So um, he was able. They've they've been doing testing. He was able to stand for two hours, right? Which is and and walk almost a kilometer without stopping with a with with sticks or. Um, he has like a walker. With a walker, yeah. And we're talking about a guy who's been paralyzed since 2017. So yeah, there's yeah, already yeah, yeah. like his muscles have like have gone, have gone like yep. through non-usage, and he's able to do all these things. But like, fur- that is off the chart. Like, furthermore, like, because the amazing thing about this is like, this isn't like a total cure of like, oh, I can feel my legs now and all this stuff. Like, his legs are still, he's still paralyzed. This isn't like he's come out of the paraplegic state. But through simulating, and they've got like a little machine and everything, and they tell it what to do, and it's basically a robot controlling his legs. Um, he's able to to live. Like this guy um, has a kid, he has a wife. He's able to spend time with them. He's able to engage in activities. Again, like we're not talking about the be all and end all solution for spinal cord severing. No, but they that is so far ahead of that's sitting right. in a wheelchair for the rest of that your life. That is right. Like this is. This is incredible. And so, like, going forward, um, this is very much in the prototype state. This He's one of the first people to experience this. But, like, 
like I know people like personally who have been paralyzed by motorcycle accidents and, and probably we all know someone who's maybe been in a car crash experience, all kinds of things um, that they end up in, in a wheelchair and now having the ability to be able to, to fix this problem and to, well, yeah, not to fix it, but to give some kind of solution that leads, you know, mobility, being able to use the like legs again. Um, and I assume as well, like this being a prototype, this technology is only going to get better and better and better. And we'll see what happens in the future in their ability to be able to simulate movement through the legs. So yeah, this is amazing. Like this is incredible. This is like groundbreaking stuff. And I think it's definitely something to follow into the future. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Oh, Awesome. Super excited. I just can't not believe the uh, technology that we come up with these days that interacts with the human body. It's That's right. so wild. And particularly, I mean, when you start interacting with the nervous system, mm. that is truly next level. Yeah. Ah, fantastic. This Good is, news. This is like the steps of, you know, when we talk about like having an implant that goes in your brain that, you know, you can think and it controls things. Like you'll be able to think and your car will drive like the way that you think or a ship will pilot something like Like these are the kind of steps that they're, they're like very, it's very rudimentary at the moment compared to something like that. But it's, but that, and that's also really scary because it's like, do I want a chip in my brain? Oh yeah, that's so <laughs> scary. <laughs> But um, what else we got there? Hey, in other news, okay, so this is this is coming out of the UK. Um, they've just passed what's called the uh, the draft of the online safety bill, um, which requires um, well, explicit websites or pornography websites to legally verify the age of its users through like using like credit cards or whatever it may be, and if they don't, um, ten percent of their revenue is taken by the government. Only ten percent. Yes. Yeah, so this is the I thing. Think I think we feel still a fair chunk of money. So uh, that'd be that'd be good. I mean, I think that um, out of the top ten websites in the world last year, and and you're up against you know like the the, the giants like Google. Mm. You know, as far as website visits go, mm. you know, Pornhub was in the top ten. Yeah. Um, and I mean, how many times in a day do you go to Google? How many times in the day does the average person go to Google? Yeah, or YouTube or Facebook. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. These, the, these, the, these, the, these are the massive ones. Yeah. And so, you know, this is a, an enormous industry. It's mm. enormously oh. destructive. Mm. And at the very least, they should be taxing it to the hilt. That's but right. At least, but at least they're going to, uh, and, and then using that money to, you know, destroy them. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's cool. Like, well, you know, this article that I read, it, it cites like the usual thing of like, oh, studies show that people are getting younger and younger and getting like exposed to pornography at a higher rate. And experts are saying like this, you know, instills bad standards of sexuality into children and opens them up to be, you know, like preyed upon it by predators and just destroys them. Like, like all the classic things that we've known for years and years and it's years. the same effect on the brain as alcohol addiction. Yeah. It kills the brain cells in the same rate as an alcohol addict, alcohol does. But it's... It, like like you said, I think, you know, obviously this is a good step. Like we view this, I'm like, like pornography and the usage of it is morally wrong and it's destructive and we would like to see it not exist. Yes. And we're like, oh, well, you know, they're taking steps against it, you know, and they're using kind of like children as like the, the example of why this legislation should be passed. But again, I, personally, I tend to think that oh, 10% is, is that like a lot? Is that like enough to cripple like a company? No, like, this is not about crippling the company. This is about the government making money. That's right. Because it's like the same. It's like the same reason why you give out speeding fines 
like to to people, right? Like there is this level of like, oh yeah, it's doing a good work in terms of getting people to slow down, but at the same time, it's like, oh, and it's making us lots of money. Like, so yeah, especially at a rate like ten percent. Like if if they were like, all right, we're taking fifty percent of your revenue, then it's like, dude, like these guys are legit. Like yes. they're trying to destroy yes. this, but but ten percent, I'm like. Ooh, I don't know. But, hey, it's a step in the right direction, and I, I guess it's something that we can celebrate. Hey, if you have any thoughts, 0491-064-669. Send us a text message and let us know. But right now... The- You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we're about to have our 200-point quiz for our... Quick question for our quiz. Lawson, what have you got for us? All right, for 200 points... When were the Israelites required to free their servants? 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do know the answer and you get it correct, you can win an issue of Science Magazines or get your points on the board and continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, when were the Israelites required to free their servants? In other words, in their uh, contract. That's right. Contract could not extend past a certain period of time. Yes, which you might know. And you can call us and give us the answer too. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. All right, what's okay. happening? So I have something super controversial to say right now. I've come to a conclusion. Oh yes, I love it when you say dumb things. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk about dumbness today. <laughs> okay. I'm going to talk about the dumbest race on earth. <laughs> okay. okay, so this is not going. This is going to be racist as this well. This better as- be self-deprecating. Okay? <laughs> okay, dumbest race on earth is officially Australians. Race, we are we are like the dumbest people. Nationality, you mean? We are the dumbest people on that, earth. That's not a race. Though. Okay, so all right, nationality. Yeah. That's not a race. It's thought, true. It's the true. Dumb, the, <laughs> I thought, right, I thought you were gonna trying. make it. I gonna make a joke like the dumbest race on earth is NASCAR or something. But it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> but okay, it's Australians. The, the, the dumbest nation on earth is Australians. Okay, because we are the most prolific, prolific gamblers and the biggest losers in the world. The dumbest race on earth is the horse race. There you, because, there you go. There you go. People bet on the, well, they bet on NASCAR as well. Yeah, that's right. Don't bet on NASCAR. Um, <laughs> but seriously, what is up with Aussies? Yeah. How can we be so ridiculous? Mm. I don't get it. But anyway, um, all right. So the, this is highlighted by the case of a North Queensland woman who's just been jailed for six and a half years oh. after she stole $1 million from her employer uh, to play a gambling app on her phone. <gasps> So that's a, that's a fair that chunk of money. Insane. How does it's she just get under a million dollars? How can she? Was she the like the treasurer or the accountant or something? Yeah, she was keeping taking care of the books and so forth, and was just <gasps> set up this false bank account and started transferring money into it and fudging the figures. And over a two year period, she siphoned off nearly a million dollars. A million dollars. And uh, what she lost it all? Like, is she not rich? Okay, well, this is the interesting thing about this. Um, is that she was playing it on a, on a, a gambling, using it on a gambling app on her phone, which was a digital pokey machine, right? Mm-hmm. And so the way the pokey machine worked on your phone is that you use real money to buy tokens. Yes, and yeah. then and then you use those tokens to, to gamble to with. Gamble. And if you win, you get digital tokens. And then you cash out, right? No. You just get digital tokens. No, shut up. No, that's I'm, not true. I'm serious. No, no. There has to be a way to cash out. Like, nope. you, 
There's no way to make there money. There's no from way this. on this particular app. It was impossible for her. So to what do you use the tokens for? Uh, to continue continue. Gambling. No. No way. Yep. That's the actual. No. That is the fact of the story. Oh, that's so. And she spent a million dollars. A million dollars. Okay, so you know we might um, look at the the case, and and I have a tremendous amount of sympathy for this woman. Yeah, because, yeah that's you know she's been caught sad. into a into a gambling trap. The thing that I have no sympathy for is our governments that allow this that's kind right. of thing to happen. Mm. You know, this would not be difficult to stop. Mm-hmm. We are making so much money out of you know gambling, taxations, licenses, and so forth. In Australia, we could raise the money in a heartbeat to be able to bring all these things to a stop. I mean, hey, I travelled to Iran. You get to Iran, you go to check your Facebook. Oh, it doesn't exist in this country. You go to check your Instagram. It doesn't exist in this country. It can't be that hard to block these sites. Mm. Close down the gambling venues. Get rid of the pokies. It used to be illegal. Mm-hmm. Prohibition is the thing that has always worked and worked so effectively. And even if you didn't close down the digital sites, we know that just closing down the physical sites would have a massive impact yep. on increasing the productivity and the happiness of our country as a nation because gambling destroys people's lives. Mm. It improves no one's life. No one gains a benefit from it except for the government and the venues that have these particular machines. Mm. And so, you know, we can solve this problem. This is not a difficult... And and we know that even if we left the digital sites open, which we can close, right? we can make it incredibly hard for people to find a a gambling site online. Mm. Even if we made... Even if we left those open, we know that just closing the pokies would have a massive difference because we've seen what happened during lockdown. Mm. And during lockdown, there were so many people that had so much money that they had never had before. And for so many of them, it was the circuit breaker that they needed and they never went back. Mm. So it was, it was a pretty easy solution. And then, of course, you had a, a huge slew of others who you know saved their money for like 12 months, had a, had a, a huge amount of money that was saved up and blew it all in the first two days. Mm. You know, after at the end of lockdowns, they were finding people who literally blew a year's worth of savings in two days as they rushed back to the pokies. Mm. And so, what I found interesting about what that was that they had not rushed off to other forms of gambling. They weren't playing two up in the backyard with their neighbours. They weren't, you know, heading to the digital sites. They were heading to the physical pokey machine. So, if you close down, you start there. That's easy. That's right. That yeah. is so easy. You know, closing down the digital ones. I get it. That's going to be much harder. Mm. But closing down the the, uh, the physical ones, that is just as easy as going. No, your license is gone. You get caught doing this. You got a fine. Mm. You know. Yeah, that's right. Send them somewhere else in the world. We don't want them here in this country. Okay, I, so I just had to look up this story because I was like, you did not believe. Me. I didn't believe you, but yeah, now you've looked it up. I've looked it up, and it is legit. true. It, mm-hmm. I'm actually shocked, and it actually like it, it, I guess it highlights like. How addictive, I guess, the, the feeling of gambling is. That's right. Is. And, this is, and this is one of the things that they were pointing out because gambling um, on the 1st of January this year mm. was, for the very first time, has been listed as a disease mm. um, in International Classification of Disease, January 1, 20, 2022, by the World Health Organization. It's the first behavioral addiction to be recognized as a disease. Mm. Okay, so now that it's been recognised as a disease and obviously a mental illness, we have to stop and ask ourselves the question, okay, what do we do about people who are predators of the mentally ill? 
Oof. You see where I'm going with this, yeah. don't you? Yeah. If we had organisations across our country that were acting in a predatory behaviour, a predatory manner towards, say, people with Down syndrome, mm. right? We would we would cancel those people pretty fast, I would think, and then lock them up, right? Mm-hmm. So if this has now been classified as a disease, as a mental illness by the World Health Organization, then everyone who is offering, operating a gambling site, everybody who is, who is operating a venue with pokies is actually a predator of the mentally ill. Yeah. At the same time, though, you know, like what has been classed as like a disease like long before gambling addiction is alcoholism and yet like during lockdown we've made this point many times like yeah the bottle shop stayed open like yeah. they're, they're, they're like yeah it's just Didn't in some range. countries yeah, yeah. so uh, okay what was interesting is the uh international uh, classification of gambling as a disease mm. uh, by the world health organization was actually instigated by gambling research coming out of uh queensland university wow. of queensland because we're Aussies. We have the biggest gambling problem anywhere in the world. Mm. Um, and they're pointing out that gambling is on par with alcohol and drug addiction as far as the physical effects it has on the body. Wow. So it damages your brain at the same level and damages your body physically at the same level as alcohol and drug addiction. That was pretty wild piece of research. Um so yeah, this is uh, it's 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 interesting to see what uh, is taking place, and basically what this comes down to is people chasing a dopamine hit. Mm. It's the dopamine hit of winning, and there are lots of really good ways of getting that dopamine hit of winning. You know, go and play soccer. <laughs> come come race me a go kart. Yeah, exactly. Come <laughs> race. You know, you can get, there's lots of different ways you can get that dopamine hit of winning. That's right. That are going to be good and productive mm. and are going to be good for your health and, you know, so many other things that you can do um, mm. and you can get that in such a positive way rather than getting it in a negative way. And, that, and that, like, that's the addictive thing about gaming and gambling and all those kinds of things, like, that it gives you the winning feeling with a low bar of effort, like that's right. a low threshold of effort. And so. this, this is poor lady up in Queensland. That's what happened to her. She was getting the dopamine hit of winning and she was spending the money to get that dopamine hit rather than with, with no possibility of uh, of it ever being solved. Uh, so, yeah, this is a major problem in our country. We need to address it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Before we go to our interview of the day, which is uh, with our regular David Haupt, we have another quiz question for our pentathlon quiz. All right, 300 points. Here we go. Who was instructed by God to name his son Mahashalala Hashbaz? I think that's how you pronounce yeah, it. Mahershalal Hashbaz. Mahershalal Hashbaz. Who was instructed by God to embarrass their child? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And for 300 points, you can win yourself a pocket sermon or get your points on the board, sweep your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, who was instructed by God to name his son Mahershalal Hashbaz? Mahershalal Hashbaz. Come on, Lord. Mahershalal Hashbaz. That's right. Shall even put like... Otherwise known in Australia as Baz. Hyphens Baza. in there so I can understand. <laughs> but Mahershalal Hashbaz. Okay, there you go. Nice. Yes. Dude, what a, what a name. It's an epic name. Lawson, <laughs> I think you should name your son Mahershalal Hashbaz <laughs> so we can call him Baza. Yeah. I think if I did that, 
Uh, look, never mind. Let's let's continue. <laughs> on. Well, Joey's on the phone right now. Is David Helps? David, welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen, and good morning to our listeners. Mm. It's uh, it's good to have you back again, particularly after you have been having a bit of a struggle with COVID. Oh. It has been a struggle. Yes, it's great to be back. I was a bit frustrated because my nature is to want to be uh, not sick and be on the job all the time, but. Uh, Sometimes uh, things happen, isn't it? Okay, so I want to ask you a little bit about your experience with COVID because it's interesting. You know, we we, we talk to people all the time. We, you know, here on the on Faith FM, we talk to Lawson, we talk to a couple of other people that uh, have had COVID, and everybody has such a different experience with it. You know, some people get it lightly, some people get it, you know, get a get a rough trot with it. And there really seems to be no way mm. of predicting um, how how badly. Well, as far as I can tell, anyway, I'm no expert. Um, how badly mm. people are going to come down with the infection. What was it like for you? Lyle, well, it's interesting that we, in the past, you know, a few months ago, were talking about people out there getting infected by COVID. But uh, the moment you yourself get infected, it's as if everyone else that you know comes out of the woodwork um, and is declaring that they themselves have gone through the same thing. Mine started with a, uh, a terrible uh, flu-like symptoms. Um, I, I felt the, the symptoms late Friday evening, Saturday morning early. I realized that I was in trouble and uh, because my wife and I, uh, you know, lived together, we decided very early we got to quickly get ourselves tested and we had to immediately isolate. And the results came back. My wife started to show symptoms as well. And um, she tested negative. I tested positive. Now we've got our son and daughter-in-law with their two kids also in their house. And uh, it's interesting that they only tested positive a week later. But for myself, um, I became aware of this terrible, terrible body pains. Uh, it felt as though someone had sawn off my back. Uh, fatigue, shortness of breath, I started to cough, uh, joint pains. Uh, one of the troubling things for me was the fact that I, I felt a brain fog. Uh, I was unable to properly think through things. And um, I also later on, the doctors, because it started to impact my lungs, so they prescribed uh, a medication called... Uh, I hope I say it right, not the way that you guys, uh, you know, use the biblical name, prednisone. And um, that caused further complications for me to the point where even today still, and this is three weeks later, I have this internal shaking that I just can't. It's it's as if you've had a major shock uh, to your nervous system, you know, and um, there's this internal shaking that takes place. And you just can't, uh, it just makes you feel horrible. Oof. So out of all of the people that I've spoken to so far with COVID, I think your story is probably the uh, the most um, traumatic one. Um, tell me, David, you know, we, we've talked about people in lockdowns. We've talked about people in quarantine. When you've got COVID, you're both in lockdown, quarantine, and you're sick at the same time. Um, how do you How do you stay positive when you are, you know, copying all three of those at once. Yeah. This was one of the things that, you know, in my reflection um, 
I, I realized that my biggest battle was a mental battle. Mm. I'm a person that um, grew up in a home where my value was attached to my ability to work. Yes. Suddenly, I can't work. I'm in lockdown. I'm in isolation. I've got a church to, to run, to look after. Um, I was due to have preached. I, I just couldn't. I had a program that we're running the following weekend, a marriage program, and I couldn't do it. And the internal self-talk, negative self-talk, immediately kicked in. Um, I had to pick up the phone and phone my head office and just be frank and open with them and say, guys, uh, even a week after I was cleared, uh, I'm, I'm just not right. I'm, I'm struggling. And I had to go to the doctor and say, Doc, I need you to, uh, you know, consider to book me off or, or, or to clear me completely. And uh, they, they, they booked me off. I, you know, for, uh, wanted to book me off for a month. But I, I at that point made a deliberate decision that I was not going to just stay in bed. Yes, there's, uh, I, I battled with fatigue and, uh, but I would, grab the whippersnapper and I would do uh, a few minutes of work and I would take a shower, cold and hot shower, and I would go and lie down. And uh, I forced myself to do some exercise. Um, One of the major issues that I found is the isolation from people. Now, getting food in nowadays, we can place an uh, online order. Uh, We had to do that. But how do you get your medication in? We live on a rural property, and how do you get the medication? This is where a church family plays a major role. And our church people, one person phoned up and says, hey, don't cook. Uh, we're going to cook this meal for you. And they just dropped off the food at our doorstep. They ran off. We came out later and picked it up. And um, uh, another person came and said, what medication do you need? And um, people went to the pharmacy, picked it up for us, and brought it and dropped it off at, at the front door. It is great to have a spiritual family around you and, and knowing that. And my wife had COVID much lighter than what I had. She tested positive a week later. and uh, But she had it much lighter, the symptoms. And having a life partner coming, just sitting next to me um, and, and just praying for me was uh, so special and so important for me to, to, to go through this. I think you've really highlighted some interesting stuff there. And the first of those is the importance of having a church family, which is freely available to every person in Australia. Um, Mm. You know, and I I guess there's a lot of people out there who might be non-believers. There are others who are sceptical. But putting aside even the, you know, the theological implications of being a part of a church and and, and the beliefs and so forth that go along with it, being a part of that community Mm. And having a community of people around you who care for you, and this is one of the things that you know, often find like when I'm you know, out door knocking and so forth, you find all of these lonely people. I'm like, well, go and go join a church. And like, yeah, but I don't really believe what they believe. It doesn't matter. Go and join the church. Be part of the community. Be surrounded by people that love you and that care for you. And, you know, God willing, they're going to, uh, you know, meet Jesus there as well. Um, yeah. But... You know, when I when I listen to your experience and, and I think, okay, let's let's take David and let's take, 
Jesus out of his life. So you're going through this without God. Let's mm. take his church community out of his life. You're going through this without a yeah. church community that's going to be there and going to give you support and going to send you text messages, going to mm. send you their love, going to stop off with their food, going to bring medications and so forth. So take the church community out of his life. Um, and then, you know, there are so many people who don't have a partner. But, um, you know, just take those those first two things out of your life that come from your connection with God how much harder would it be to be in isolation, to be in quarantine, to be in lockdown, and desperately sick at the same time? Yeah, yeah. You know, my wife is a registered nurse, and she knows uh, she she worked in the the COVID wards at at hospital as well. And uh, in the past, she had shared. Uh, not individual cases, but the the research, and she was constantly online doing research, talking to the doctors that uh, that were treating me, and uh, it, it is interesting that uh, knowing all that information actually can work against you because you know all the. Uh, the worst case scenarios that can happen. Um, I grew up on a farm. I, uh, from a very young age, I was taught to work with our cattle and, uh, I contracted a disease, a chronic disease called brucellosis that, uh, depletes your immune system and then causes secondary, um, infections normally in your main organs. And I would battle normally in the middle of summer with double pneumonia and COVID impacted my lungs. So just imagine what's going through my mind. And it, I, I reached that point where I started to fear, will I ever be able to hold my little granddaughters in my arms again? Because we're in isolation. They're an hour away from us, but they can't get to us. Um, and will I ever be able to say goodbye? Is the worst going to be inevitable in my case? The worst has happened to some people, has happened in my family. I've, I've already had 11 outside my immediate home. I've had 11 families in South, uh, in South Africa impacted by COVID and lost my uncle. Uh, is that going to be? And you eventually had to come to the point where you just surrender to God and say, Lord, you are still in charge. I hand all of this over to you. You yeah. care about me far more than anyone else. And uh, therefore, I just surrender to you. And that is where a turning point came for me. Yeah, and praise God for that. I mean, that's the... The privilege that we have as a Christian, and you know, we always struggle in reaching that particular point. I think um, one of our one of our listeners has just texted through, and they say this: "David, glad to hear you fought the COVID all the way, and you're on your way to full recovery. I'm sure many people are praying for you and your wife, including myself. Take care." Thank so you, you very haven't much. you haven't just yeah. been uh, missed by your local church family. You've got a much bigger church family here on Faith FM that have been praying for you and uh, and care for you as well. And so, you know, that's um, that's it's. I, I think it's. I think it's so critical that you know people have this opportunity to be able to face these things with faith in God mm. and be able to surrender their life to God and to know that you know our our lives are in the hands of somebody who loves us more than anybody else here on this earth and that we can trust them, knowing that they know absolutely what is best in every circumstance. And it's just super encouraging to hear your story of being able to rely on God during this particular time. I just want to 
just you know call out to our listeners because so many of you have COVID right now. So many of you, um, uh, uh, you know, so many of us, I should say, be, uh, are going to catch COVID in the near future. It's there's sort of a, a sense of inevitability out there amongst many of us, particularly those of us that are working with people all the time. And you know, if you're in that kind of environment, I think David's story highlights the fact that it is so much easier when you have faith in God and a community that is supporting you. Those are the, I, I guess that those are the two big lessons that are jumping out to me right now, just listening to your testimony, David. Yes, yeah. And added to that, uh, I want to say that God has given us also a lot of natural things, how we can build our immune system. We took the time to go and sit outside in the sun. Vitamin D is vital. Water internally and externally, we, we use hot and cold baths. Uh, as part of just trying to rebuild our immune system. Make sure that there's no, you know, the people actually research show the people that live uh, and, and eat more naturally um, is, has a far greater chance towards recovery. And those are things that I would like to suggest. Along with your faith, it is so important uh, to, to actually help yourself through this crisis. And these are the things that you can do free of, um, you know, the side effects, like you got some nasty side effects from some of the medications that you took. You're not going to get side effects from taking a bit of sunlight. You're not going to get side effects from from eating, you know, healthy food and, uh, and yep. doing mild exercise. It's fantastic stuff. David, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experience. We look forward to having you back again next week. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.